Welcome to worship. I'm Pastor Jason from Schweitzer, and we are so glad you've tuned in today to worship along with us. Today we're continuing in a sermon series that we started a week ago called Why the World is the Way That It Is. Today we're going to be taking a look at the end of chapter one of Genesis. So you want to have your Bibles available as we, as we enter into worship today. If this is your first time worshiping with us, a warm welcome to you. We're so glad you've joined us. If you let us know that you're here, we'd love to send you a gift card so you can pick up a, a coffee somewhere in the midst of your daily grind. We'd love to do that. If you've been with us for a while, you know that you can go to Schweitzer.church next. You can find sermon discussion questions. You can find all kinds of ways to connect here at Schweitzer. Next up is Corey, and he's going to share with you some things that are happening right now or immediately that you can be a part of. Let's take a listen. Hi, welcome to Schweitzer Church. We're so glad to have you here today. I'm Corey Lucivo, Director of Connections. This week on Tuesday, January 17th at 6.30 p.m., we are launching two new small group experiences. Pastor Jason will be leading a discussion on Be the Bridge, talking about racial reconciliation and what that looks like in our community. At the same time, Bob Cassidy will be leading a class on his book, Claiming Our True Identity, discussing what it looks like to live as God's children. You can find more information about either of these or pick up a book for $10 at the Blue Booth. You can also find more information and sign up at schweitzer.church groups. Coming up on Saturday, January 21st at 8 a.m., we'll be hosting a guy's breakfast. This is a great way to start off the new year and be inspired as we hear from two great leaders, Nathan Cook, who is Springfield's Teacher of the Year, and George Bjorkman, a former Major League Baseball player with a lot more to his story. You can find more information or sign up either at the Blue Booth or at schweitzer.church next. And one more thing, if you're looking for a great travel mug for the new year, we still have a few of these Schweitzer mugs available for $20 from the Blue Booth. This is a great way to represent Schweitzer and be more sustainable, as we encourage you to bring it back and fill it up with coffee from our Fellowship Center. And if you're looking to get connected in any way, feel free to reach out to me in person or by email at Corey at Schweitzer.church. I'd love to talk to you. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Now, let's continue in worship. Thanks, Corey. If you're worshiping live with us today, we encourage you to take a moment, say hello in the chat room. If you'd like prayer, somebody would be happy to pray with you. Now, let's enter into worship together.
Friends, as we come to a time of prayer today, we're reminded that uh, around this season, around this time when we'll be watching this, there's a, a reminder of Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday and a celebration of his life and the things that he, he pulled forth. And so I'd like to invite you to pray with me this prayer um, that calls to mind that we're all created in the likeness and image of God. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. As we gather in this place, allow your spirit to fill our very being. As we worship today, we remember our brothers and sisters who are worshiping elsewhere throughout the world. Inspire each of us to work more faithfully for justice and dignity of life everywhere. Raise our vision above the barriers of color, culture, and creed that separate us. Give us wisdom as we deal with one another. Help us to recognize and to respect different ways rather than to judge. In the spirit of Jesus, who came not to be served but to serve, we now must walk in the world. We must reach out our hands with the help, with help and open our hearts in love. Awaken in us the desire to seek your way of serving you in the world. Amen. Lord, hear our prayers, um, all that we have, receive them into your, in your hands and help us trust you. And help us to pray and learn to pray as we pray along with Jesus. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is also a way in which we partner with God in the ministry that he is actively bearing out in the world. 2022 saw some fantastic things happen uh, as we walked alongside of, of the Lord and he did some incredible things in our midst. Here's a recap video of 2022, and we'd invite you to celebrate along with us to see what God has been doing in our midst. 
Wasn't that awesome? That was fantastic, wasn't it? Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being obedient and worshiping the Lord with your tithes and your offerings. We can continue to do that today by going to Schweitzer.church slash give using the Church Center app. Thank you so much for your generosity. And now we turn our attention to week two of why the world is the way that it is. Welcome today. My name is Spencer. So glad that you're here with us. Today is part two of our series called Why is the World the Way That It Is? And we are starting this year not looking ahead, but looking back, uh, way back, all the way back to the beginning. We're reading for seven weeks the first few chapters of the Bible, Genesis chapters 1 through 11, because these chapters are just fundamental and foundational to how we understand the world. Now, I I tend to think about these chapters like this. Um, I've got terrible vision, so I wear glasses, I wear contacts, and and when I have that experience of of going from from, uh, nothing in my eyes, and then I put glasses on, and all of a sudden the world becomes clear, to me, that's what Genesis 1 through 11 is like. It it helps everything become clear. And that's my hope for this series, is that as we walk through these chapters and through these parts of the series over the next few weeks, that, that things become clear as we begin to see God's intention for us and to understand how the world is and why it is the way that it is. Now today, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, just like last week. We're not going to read the whole chapter, though, this time. And as we walk through Genesis chapter 1, we're going to hone in on the sixth day as we read about what does the Bible teach about how God created us. And so here's where we're at. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse 26. Here's what the Bible says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Did you catch how that verse started? It said, let us make mankind in our image. We get these these echoes and these glimpses of God three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit speaking to us. And so um, let us make mankind in our image. And then verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, pay attention to what the Bible says about me and you and everyone who's ever lived. When the Bible describes how God created us, here's what the Bible says, quote, that we were made in the image and likeness of God. So what does that mean? 
Does that mean that uh, God is like us and looks like us, has, you know, 10 fingers and 10 toes? Well, I'm speculating here because I've never seen God, but probably not because when we make God and think about God like that, we're making him into our image instead of us into his image. Um, so here's some, some, some ways to think about, about what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. Some common ideas that people throughout the ages have looked to as, um, as, some, as some main ways to think about this. So here's three main kind of big ideas that people have had throughout the ages about what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. First, some have thought that this means that uh, we have uh, what we might call spirituality that we have soul and spirit, that humans are unique in this kind of way. We've got spirituality, and, and along these lines, uh, we have a, this search for meaning that is common to everybody. I mean, everyone wants to have meaning in their life, and so we talk sometimes about things like, I don't know, dead-end jobs, because when we say that, we're, we're talking about this disconnect that we have um, from meaning. And, and so we have this, this search for meaning, the soul, the spirit within us, this ability to connect and relate to God, which is our ultimate purpose and meaning, and and, um, and so we search for this, and this is unique among, among humans that we are able to connect with God. No other animal is able to do this. Nothing else in all of creation is able to connect with God. I mean, you think about the other animals and everything else that was created. I mean, like, like your dog is not worried because, you know, his life isn't going anywhere. That's not, that's not something that happens to animals. It's just humans. And so one thought is that maybe it means that we have this spirituality that we have soul and spirit in the search for meaning. Another thought is that um, maybe to be made in the image and likeness of God means that we have this uh, search for, for morality. We have this ability to, to be moral and to weigh what's right and good and, and right from wrong. And, and even though we fail in our ability to live right so many times, we still have this sense of what's right and wrong. And it seems to be inborn within us that we, we have this kind of innate ability to feel guilt and when we do wrong, and, and this just is common among, among people. This is something that uh, seems to be true in, across culture and throughout history. And so social scientists have noticed that really across different, very different cultures throughout history, there seems to be these very common moral teachings that exist for humans because we have this sense of what's, what's right and wrong. And again, this is unique to humans. No other animal in creation starts to weigh rights from wrong. And so you think about your dog. Your dog is not wondering and thinking through ethical decisions. And certainly cats don't think about what's right and wrong. But this is just something for, for people, that we have this sense of morality. Another big idea, another common idea that it means is that um, to be made in the image of the likeness of God is a reference to the inherent dignity that exists in, in people. It's given to all humans. Everyone deserves dignity. Everyone deserves respect because we were made in the image and likeness of God. And, and so while we respect all of creation as God's good creation, there's something unique, though, about people. I mean, I, I think about it like this. Um, you know, other animals can be killed, but only humans can be murdered because we have this dignity that is different than all of creation. And and there's one special aspect of dignity that we really need to lift up because it's so incredibly important. So Genesis 1 verse 27 um, said this. We've already read it once, but here it is again. It said, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And then this last line, listen to this last line. Male and female, he created them. Now that line, male and female, might be some, seem like something you just kind of read right past. You don't really pay attention to it, but don't do that because it's, it's so, so important that God created this. And think about what this means, that 
male and female, he created them. Because in Genesis chapter 1, this, this line we just read here, there's this um, sexual differentiation that happens in people. No other animal, even animals that are made in Genesis uh, 1 and day 6, they, they don't have sexual differentiations. Only people that have this. It's like there's something unique about the genders as it's, as it's given here in Genesis um, chapter 1. And it's, it's important because it reflects now the image and likeness of God. Our, our gender is, is more than just reproduction like other animals have. It's, it's something deeper about our dignity and, and our, our image and likeness of God. Another aspect of this is you think through Genesis 1. We read the whole chapter last week. We didn't read it this week. But as you read through the whole chapter of Genesis chapter 1, one of the things you see are these incredible pairs of symmetry, like complements that go together. And so Genesis 1 talks about the earth and the heavens that were created. You've got night and, and, and day, light and dark. You've got the waters above, the waters below, the sea and the land. And then you have this male and female. And so you have these these, these complementary kind of symmetry pairs that are mentioned throughout, throughout um, Genesis. And you just see this, you, you come to realize that gender, being male or being female, is sacred, like the heavens and the earth in the same kind of way. And then you notice that in the Bible doesn't just describe us as male and female, but the Bible blesses us in our gender. So verse 28 said this, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. He blessed them in their gender. Now you start to put all this together and you start to connect the dots with one another. And you can see why this matters and why I'm making such a big point about this and wanted to lift this up because male and female, men and women, boys and girls, um, both genders are image bearers. And this is so incredibly important to say. It needs to be said and lifted up because throughout human history, um, really since Genesis 3 with the introduction of sin and the fall, which we're going to get to in two weeks from now. But throughout human history, there is just tale after tale and example after example of, of, of men treating women as if they are the lesser of two genders. And, and you have throughout human history just abuse and, and oppression and violence against women that are committed by men, but the way that the Bible starts, there is no lesser gender. Both male and female bear the image of God, the likeness of God. And so there's, there's something about being male and there's something about being female that reflects the image and likeness of God. Now I say all of that because, because just this basic message of the goodness of male and female, the image of God here, the dignity that you see that comes with this from Genesis chapter one, this is out of step with how our modern Western culture thinks um, about uh, gender and sex and, and the, the blessing that this is. Because what the Bible here is teaching us is that our gender and sexuality is holy and sacred. I mean, it's a blessing. That's, that's verse 28. We just read that a second ago. And so it's this holy and sacred thing. And therefore, is this holy and sacred thing to misuse gender or to abuse it or to use it selfishly is, is not just a sin like other sins, but rather it, it's an affront to our dignity. And, and because it's, it's, it's an affront to our dignity, it's like we lose our humanity, what is special about us, 
when we, when we use our, our gender and our sexuality in ways that don't honor God. And this is why I think that the Bible takes such a consistently strong stance against sexual immorality and continues, consistently throughout the scripture teaches that, that sex is a gift to be, to be experienced between a, a married couple, man and woman, be, because this comes down to what does it mean to be human? Now, as you think about our, our modern Western culture, of course, looks at this exactly opposite. I mean, it's just, it's flipping. The, the, the entire message is, is opposite because if you listen to modern culture talk about, about sex and gender, it's often about things like self-fulfillment and uh, self-actualization. And so you hear people say things like, um, like they need to be true to themselves. They need to live an authentic self. And they're talking about this in terms of, of sexual expression. And so you have these two worldviews that are, that are very different. Historic Christian thought is to say that our gender and sexuality is holy and it's sacred. Therefore, it's to be protected, it's to be, it's to be honored, it's to be, it's to be used as a reflection of God. Um, and, and I lose my dignity when I start to, to misuse this and use it for myself. But modern culture says the exact opposite, that uh, you can't be true to yourself unless you live into your own needs, your own sexual identity. And, and, this, and this difference here is, is why the church has taken historically such a strong stand around sex because it's not just a sin like other sin. It's really down to this fundamental idea of what does it mean to be human and the dignity that we are created with. And so what you find is that the church and the culture, they're, they're, they're out of step with one another. Now this makes even more sense when you, when you look at the Go back to Genesis 1. You look at the reason for the image of God. So let's go back to Genesis 1 one more time. And I want you to see the reason for the image of God. Why, why God has given us this image and likeness. So verse 26, one more time. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And then catch this. So that, so here's the reason for the image and likeness of God. Here's the purpose. They may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then we see this later in verse 28. God says to the first people, he says, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so when the Bible speaks of the image and likeness of God, what's the purpose? Well, three words we just read in Genesis 1. To rule, to subdue, and to fill. Now, those three words have been misunderstood in lots of different places. And some people have interpreted those three words to mean that we can do whatever we want to do to creation because it's our job to rule, subdue, and to fill. But let's think about this. What does it mean as an image bearer to rule, subdue, and fill? Have you ever heard of the name Tutankhamun, otherwise known as King Tut? Tutankhamun was an Egyptian pharaoh. He's famous now because he's on museum tours and people go and see him. And he's this preserved pharaoh from the, I think, 18th dynasty, the last in his line. And, and do you know what the name Tutankhamun means? It's an Egyptian name and it means um, in the image of Amun. Amun is an Egyptian god. So in other words, Tutankhamun means uh, to be, means in the image of this Egyptian god. Because in the ancient world among Israel's neighbors, there was this belief that the uh, kings were made in the image and likeness of their gods. 
And that makes sense when you start to think about what a king does. I mean, this is a world before legislatures and constitutions and courts. And so the king held all of the power and had absolute power over, over life. And it was the king's job, therefore, to, to set laws and to enforce laws, to protect the people, to bring order and stability to the kingdom. And these are the kinds of things that people would have expected their, you know, their gods to do. And so when they look at the king who's bringing order and stability to their kingdom, they think, well, they're, they're made in the image and likeness of God because this is what the gods should do. And then comes Israel, and they have this very different message because they say it's not the king who is made in the image and likeness of God. It's everyone, male and female, everyone. Everyone is an image bearer. Everyone, not just the king, not just the powerful, not just the rich, not just the people who sit on the top of the social pyramid, not just the people who are on the top of the org chart, but everyone, male and female, rich and poor, slave and free, everyone is made as an image bearer in the image and likeness of God. And then you think about some of these words, these three words that go along with being an image bearer. Because God made humans in his image, right? Male and female, he made them. And he made them to do three things, to rule, to subdue, and to fill. That's not just the work of kings, that's the work of everyone. These are the kinds of words that might have been reserved for a king, but now it's being applied to to absolutely every person who, who lives. So while it's the king's job to rule, it's the king's job to subdue, it's the king's job to fill and to expand his kingdom, this isn't now just spoken about the king, it's spoken about, about everyone because you see, all of us are responsible for ruling, subduing, and filling. And, and that, right, that point right there is a point of clarity. It's like putting glasses on where things start to become more clear. It's a very important point because we just learned something about why the world is the way that it is. Why is it that um, humans are driven to make and to shape and to create and to, and to make a difference? Well, because this is the image of God that's within us. It's the image and likeness of God being reflected out into the world. And so we have this, this desire, all of us, it doesn't matter who we are, all of us have this capacity for ruling, subduing, and filling within our own um, scope of our lives. And so for us, making a difference and offering leadership, like this is this desire to lead and subdue, and like this is a good and holy thing because this is the image and likeness of God that is being reflected into the world. Now this can also be abused. Of course it can. So we think about this. These words in Genesis 1, they come before the introduction of sin and the fall, which happens in Genesis 3. We'll get there in two weeks. And so these are spoken to people who are, who are holy and, and reflect um, humanity at its absolute best in perfect union with God. So if you are a human who's not afflicted by sin and selfishness and don't have warped desires, then what does it mean for you to rule and to subdue and to fill. And how, how does this work? Because for these first people, you know, you were wondering, well, what's their model for this? And it's, it's God. God is the only model they have. And so as they think about what it means for them, they're living this out as the, as the model of how would God rule and subdue and fill? And how would God do that? Well, maybe the best example of how God would rule and subdue and fill is found in in Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 teaches us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Therefore, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. He is God's son. 
He's also fully like us. He is also an image bearer. And so you got to wonder, how did Jesus rule and subdue and fill? What did, he, what did he do? Well, he chose to serve. He made himself less. He reached out to people. He, he chose the cross. He lived sacrificially. This is how, how Jesus did. So, so you think about this. If you lived before the fall, your model for ruling and subduing and filling is, is not about self, but rather it's about taking care of the world and doing it like God would do it, which is what we see in Jesus. Therefore, you're not going to use your power just for yourself, but you're going to use it like God would use it, which is to bless the world. But what happens instead of, of tending and integration like God would is we live on the other side of the fall. And we live in this sinful and broken world. So now what happens is that the ruling and subduing and filling doesn't get expressed in the right kind of way. And instead, now we start to use our power, not as God would, but we start to use it for our own purposes. And what takes place then is, is we start to use our own desires, our own passions, our own purposes get elevated. And you think about that to scale. What happens when there are 8 billion people, all with this image of God, this drive to rule and subdue and fill, but they're all doing that just for themselves. Well, this is how you end up with things like oppression and injustice, racism. I mean, the violence, war, the list just goes on and on and on and on because we're trying to do this for ourselves. The, the image of God has, has gotten twisted. And so instead of living this as we're supposed to, it gets lived out in all kinds of wrong ways. Instead of searching for our spirituality and our significance in the Lord, we look to things to fill our lives. Instead of, um, instead of having a morality that is based on God's righteous calling and, and, and thought and what he has called us to do, instead we you know, base morality on self-justification. Instead of having a dignity that, that understands our inherent worth before the Lord, now what we seek is self-fulfillment and self-actualization. We make it about, about us. Like There's all these kinds of ways that we twist this and we warp this image of God that's within us. But while the image of God has been distorted, it's not lost. In fact, I bet you know exactly how it feels to tap into the image and likeness of God. We've all experienced exactly how that feels. For example, um, last month, our church had a toy drive for Pittman Elementary. It was an awesome, awesome evening. Um, as Pittman is our neighborhood school just to the north of our campus. We do a ton of ministry um, for, that, for that school because we are a, a community-focused church, Christ-centered, community-focused. And it was an incredible event. Um, our church together, our church family, we had bought toys for these, these kids um, that go to this, this school because our church is so generous. And then families would come to our church and uh, the kids would go do something in kids' ministry, and then the families, the parents would be able to go shop for their kids. Um, and these were like good toys. Like I wanted to set some aside and hold on to them because they were really good toys. Um, along the way, we shared the gospel message with them that the gift of God has been given. We'd wrap the toys up for them, and, and then they would go on their way, and they would be able to give gifts to their, their kids for Christmas. Incredible ministry. Really great event to care for our community. Um, I, I attended that evening with my daughter, and as we were going home, um, driving home, my, my daughter, she just kind of mentioned to me offhand as we were talking, she just said, it feels good to help people. I didn't really think much of it. Conversation moved on to other things. And later I was, I was reflecting on that. And I was thinking about that sentence, it feels good to help people. And I thought, well, of course it does. Of course it feels good to help people because we're made in the image and likeness of God. 
And when I help people, what I'm doing is I'm using my power, my my calling to rule, subdue, and fill, not for myself, but I'm using it in the right kind of way, as God would. I'm using it to bless other people. I'm using it to make a difference for other people. I'm using it to care for the world. And, and this is what happens. And so, of course, that feels good because I'm not doing it for myself. I'm, I'm tending the world like God would. As you start to understand this, this blurry world begins to become more clear. It's like putting glasses on as you understand what it means to be human and how God has called us and, and created us in the image and likeness of God to rule and to subdue and to fill. And as we can understand this in the right kind of way, everything else, things begin to become more clear. So let's put our glasses on. Let's see the world a bit more clearly. And let's, let's ask this question. Why is the world the way that it is? Why is it that when I serve others, it feels good? Why is it that uh, when I live with generosity and service and compassion for others, I just want to do more and more of that? Why is it that the more I focus on others, the more clarity I have and vision I have in my life? At the same time, why is it that when I just accumulate for myself, I never feel like I have enough? Or why is it that the more focused on myself I become, the more miserable I am in the long run? Or why is it that the more I achieve for myself, I never feel like I quite have achieved anything at all? Like, why is it that I feel these these distinctions? Well, it's because I was made in the image and likeness of God. And that's true for me and you and everyone who's ever lived. That the way that you're gonna find fulfillment and purpose and meaning in life, it's not about self. It's about understanding that I'm gonna live my life as God would. I'm gonna care for others like God would because I've been made as an image bearer. And therefore, I'm gonna find my meaning, my significance in Him. I'm gonna understand the world as He would have me in my morality. I'm gonna understand the dignity that He has given me as this human to live as He would live and to, and to pursue this as, as He would. Because when you tap into that image in the right kind of way, you are not going to find fulfillment in anything else that compares to what you're gonna find in the Lord because this is who you were made to be, an image bearer of the one true God. Let's pray. And so Father, we um, hear the words, these ancient words from Genesis, that we've been made in the image and likeness of God. We have spirituality, we can connect with you. We have morality where we can understand, engage what's right and what's wrong. We have dignity where we understand that what you say about us gives us purpose and worth that we can't find anywhere else. And you call us to use this image of God, not for ourselves, but to bless the world. Would you forgive us for the ways that we turn this inward? And when as we turn this inward, we recognize that we are missing what it really means to be human. We're missing what it really means to live as a reflection of you in the world. And instead, Father, today we want to understand, we want to live for you. And so we confess that we have sinned. We have confessed that we have missed this. And we want to turn in order to find this image of God restored through Jesus Christ. And for anyone who's with us today who doesn't know the love, the the kindness, the mercy, and the grace of God that restores us in Jesus Christ, we just want to offer up a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin and would you lead my life? We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for the gift of God that's been given to us in Jesus. 
Would you move in us that we would tend to the world, we tend to the people around us, we tend to our lives, not for ourselves, but to reflect your goodness into the world as an image bearer of the one true God. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Friends, thanks for joining us in worship today. Hope you were blessed. Hope you were challenged. Hope you got to see yourself and the people around you in a whole new light, made and bearing the image of God. Isn't that some incredible news? Good news and news that can shape how we see and interact in all kinds of places around us. If you know somebody that would be encouraged by this video, we take just take a moment and share this in the way that you, you know how to do that. Share this video with them, encourage them. A big shout out of thanks to those who helped produce it, to Alec and the team behind the scenes, to Corey for coming in and sharing with us some ways we can connect at Schweitzer, for Spencer for that inspiring and thoughtful message. Thank you so much. Now to you. May God's grace and joy and goodness be upon you. May you walk in the joy and peacefulness that you bear the image of God. And with that sense of power and authority, may you walk with humility and grace in the power of the Spirit with Christ in your heart. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.